Hi, I'm Philip Santillan, pastor of Clarity Church, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen or view this podcast of a message from one of our Sunday gatherings. Before we get going here, I just wanted to communicate to you the deep conviction we have regarding this message. This free message resource is not intended as a broadcast ministry, which would create virtual attenders listening from home rather than getting involved in their local church. We hope that no matter where you are on your faith journey, that this podcast is only supplemental to your relationship with the Lord and in no way replaces the local church that you should be plugged into or the pastor God has put over your life to lead you and care for your soul. So please enjoy this incomplete portion of this past week's gathering. We have prayed that God would use it in a profound way in your life and that from it, you would gain clarity on who Christ is. Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to Kimberlyland Elementary School. My name is Phil. If this is your first time with us, uh, we are Clarity Church, and we're so glad that you're here with us. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called Family Matters, where we're taking a look at uh, specifically what does it mean to look at life through the lens of being part of God's family. Now, it might seem maybe if you're um, maybe skeptical about faith or, or whatever, and maybe you don't buy into the whole church thing, that just sounds just really out there, and, and maybe you're already checking out. But here's the thing that um, uh, I need you to, to know that is so important today, because today we're going to be talking about a subject that I think that actually I know touches every one of us, whether you believe in Christ or not. And this is the subject of forgiveness. And, and how do we handle this subject of forgiveness in light of being part of God's family is so important. It's something I want to talk about today. Because really at the heart of the Christian faith is forgiveness. And even if you're someone who doesn't consider yourself a Christian, you probably have a preconceived idea that Christians are people who are supposed to forgive, right? Right? I mean, that's just who they are. If you meet someone who is a, a Christian or, uh, I mean, there's just certain things that you think about when you, when, you, when you see a Christian, right? And in fact, if you're, if you're driving and someone cuts you off and they have that little fish sticker on there, what do you automatically go? You automatically go, I can't believe they did that. And they're Christians, right? Because we all have these preconceived ideas. But one of those preconceived ideas we have is this idea of forgiveness, and I love baptisms. Uh, today, I love baptisms. And, um, and, and next week, we're going to be baptizing some more people. And so you're not going to miss it. You're going to come back next week. We've got two people we're going to be baptizing. But I love baptisms because for me, they are a, and really just in general, the truth is that they're a declaration. They're a public declaration of the reality that forgiveness is possible. That forgiveness is possible for those who choose and who have been chosen to identify themselves to be as part of God's family. And, uh, oh, I forgot to say, if this is your first time with us, my name is Phil. If I think, I don't, did I say that already? My name is Phil. And, um, and I have the incredible honor of, of leading our church um, to become followers who, who make disciples. And so uh, if you're with us, I'm just so glad. If you're with us for the first time, I'm just so glad you're here. And, uh, and this is what we've been talking about the last, uh, over, since last week. And, well, this is, not that we have been talking about it. This is the second week. But this is what we're going to be talking about. And this is this idea that family matters, matters because it influences the way you see and interact with the world around you. That's why we call this series Family Matters. Because family matters, this is kind of a play on words. Family matters because it, is the, because it influences the way you see the world around you. For instance, until I met my wife, I thought this word, S-A-L-M-O-N. Does anyone know what that word is? Okay, right, right. 
I thought, until I met my wife, and I'm not joking, you think I'm going to be joking because you're like, oh, Phil, like, you can never tell. You're always so sarcastic. I'm serious. My wife will tell you. I seriously thought this word was pronounced salmon. Okay? Okay, no laughing, please. No. Because growing up, my dad thought that the word S-A-L-O-L-M-O-N was, was pronounced salmon. Actually, it was salmon. Philip. Eat your salmon. And I'm like, no, it tastes terrible. Eat your salmon. Okay, okay. <laughs> and so until, and then <laughs> it was funny because one day we were at the, I think we were at the restaurant and I said, I, I like to get a salmon. And my, my wife looks at me and goes, <clears throat> I'm like, what? She goes, it's salmon. I'm like, no, there's an L right there, right? <laughs> and so how, why, did I, why did I think that? Well, my dad thought that, right? And my dad was Filipino. If, if you didn't kind of catch that drift, I know sometimes people think, like, are you Filipino? Are you Mexican? I don't know. You're really good looking, though. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, <laughs> thank you. I'll take that as an affirmation. Um, <laughs> it wasn't. Thank you. Love you, too. <laughs> um, where was I? Well, my dad was Filipino, and he still is, by the way. And so... <laughs> He, uh, in, in their language, and the, you know, there's transliteration, and so who he was influenced what he did, right? So he pronounced the word some. And then evidently, because he was my dad, who he was influenced what he did, which influenced what? How what I did. And that's just a crazy thing. And I think, I think it's, it's not just me who happens to have these kind of situations. In fact, I think all of us find ourselves looking at who our parents are and seeing what they did, and we can actually tell that a direct correlation of who we are today has a lot to do with who our parents were. That's why if you're married, the biggest mistake you can make husbands to your wife is to tell your, tell your, tell your wife, you are so much like your mother. <laughs> right? Like, no. No, right? So, but we say things like that, why? Because the, uh, there's colloquial phrases, right? The apple doesn't Far, fall far from the tree, right? And so we know this. We understand this. Now, today, um, and really for the next several weeks, we're going to look. So last week we talked about this. Just set the stage about what is family? What does it mean part of the family of God? You missed that. I'm not going to go back over it. It's just really like a theological understanding of who is God? How does that influence who we are? And so you're just going to have to look at that. But what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to get really pragmatic. We're going to get really um, applicable, if that's okay. Um, and, and what I want to do is look specifically at who God the Father is, and I want to look at what he has done, and then how living life under the influence of God as Father looks like in our everyday matters, because family matters. And today, specifically, I want to talk to those of us who consider yourself a Christian, or a follower of Christ, or whatever the new buzzword is. It's someone who said yes to faith in Jesus. I want to talk to you today because I, I, I want to talk to those of you who are saying, I'm following Jesus to the best of my ability, and I, and I believe that he died on the cross for my sins, and, and, and that he rose again, and, and so that, that sin and death could be conquered. And, and I'm placing my faith and my trust and my belief that my eternity and my identity as a child of God is settled because of my standing with God through Christ and who I've made the Lord of my life. If that's you today, I want to specifically talk to you. And specifically, I want to talk to Christians who are people who won't forgive, who just won't forgive. I want to talk about that relationship with that person. And you know who that person is that family member, that you're tempted to say, you know what, I don't, I, I, 
you're not going to make me, I, I, I won't forgive. Or, I, I, you know what, I don't care anymore. And because there's something profound about being a follower of Christ that we don't have the excuse. And if you're not a follower of Christ, listen, I'm going to speak really strongly for the next seconds. You don't have to believe anything I'm saying, but listen, I'm going to talk to you as lovingly as I can. If you love Jesus with all your heart, mind, and soul, listen, there's something so profound about being a follower of Christ that we don't have the excuse. We can't shut down because of pain, because of the drama, because of what he did to my mom, because of what she did to my family, because of what he stole, because of who he married. We don't have the option to say, I won't forgive. And not only is this unhealthy for you, which (laughs) you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that harboring unforgiveness is unhealthy for you. Google health effects of unforgiveness and even science will tell you that harboring unforgiveness is just not healthy for you. But The reasons why we can't say, I won't forgive, go far beyond that, which is what I want to talk about today. Now, for those of you who are not really a Bible person, and maybe you admit that you're not a Christian, or or that maybe you used to be one, and you're not really sure anymore, um, and and, and you're saying, maybe I'm really, I'm just simply here because, you know, someone invited me to church, and I'll probably, I'll probably never really be back, but, you know, there's a free lunch waiting for me at the end of this, and, uh, and, and maybe you're saying, I'm, I'm, not a sh- I'm not really sure how a message like this will apply to my life specifically. Um, I, what I will say is this. I think all of us were born to care, and that will influence whether or not harboring unforgiveness in your life is actually something you should do. And I'm going to make the case that it shouldn't be. Even if, even if you're not compelled to, to be a person who forgives because of what we're going to talk about today, you should at least entertain the idea that there's a solution to the forgiveness that you're har- un- to the unforgiveness that you're far- harboring in your life. And, and let me just be clear, if you're not a Christian, you don't have to do anything I suggest because I told you so or because the Bible says so, because I acknowledge you've never surrendered your life to the teaching of the scripture. So I have no expectations that you're going to walk away and say, well, the Bible says that. That's what that guy said. And man, I better do this. And so I'm not coming from that perspective at all. But what I'm here to say is that when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to the tension, to the drama, to the hurt, to the pain of the past of saying, I won't forgive, here's the thing. It is a losing battle worth fighting. And even if you never get to the point where everybody says, you know, that's involved in maybe this conflict and unforgiveness and everyone's going, oh, I understand where you're coming from. Oh, I understand. Oh, you understand me now? Oh, I, I didn't know. Oh, okay, okay. Even if we never get there, even if, even if nothing gets all right, let's just be realistic. It's probably for many of us regarding the unforgiveness in our life and the situations that surround us, it's probably never going to be that good where there's 100% resolve. But this is a losing battle worth fighting because of what happens, not between you and other people specifically, but what happens inside of you. And it's definitely a losing battle worth fighting if you're a Christ follower, specifically the reason that we're going to be talking about today. And so what I'm saying is that if you're a Christian... You have to do this, okay? If you have a problem with it, we'll go have coffee. 
And you'll take your Bible verses and I'll take mine. And let's go for it. And let's have iron sharpen iron. But right now, I got the mic. No, I'm teasing. Uh, and what I'm going to tell you is this. Look, this I think is going to be clear. It's going to be clear. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying this is what we're called to do as followers of Christ. Now, like I said, if you're not a Christian or if you're just trying to figure it all out, I understand you don't have to believe all this, but I hope at least at the very minimum that what we talk about as Christians, as what we have to do, you might actually be touched with the reality of what God has done for you. And so I want to start off by reading a portion of scripture. Uh, it's really a letter. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, you can always go to weekly.claritychurch.org. You can follow the digital online version of this. It'll take you and you can save your notes on the Version app. And so, uh, you know, churches are, the, uh, are more and more allowing people to use their phones in the service. So go ahead, pull out your phone and you can follow along with us. But we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 2 where you can pull out your real Bible. You know, if you have one of those, uh, paper ones. And um, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to start off, this is a letter written by Paul, and he, he planted this church, just like many, there was many of us who planted this church, who started this church. Uh, he started this church in Ephesus, and so he's writing back to this church. He started, he obviously has an extreme love, and he's extreme call to them, and he's writing to them, and he says this, and he says this, and he wants to remind them of, of, of a simple truth. Um, and really, if you read the rest of the Ephesians, he has some really harsh things to say, so he kind of reminds them before he tells them what their behavior should be like. He tells them who they are in Christ. And that's why this series, Family Matters, is so important because this is a series not about changing what you do to become part of God's family, but believing that you actually are by placing your trust in God, being born again. We talked about what that means to be born again. Being born again into God's family, when you believe that the gift of the freedom to be this is yours, and it will happen over time, but this is something to look forward to and something to live in and to actually walk in. And so this is something that Paul does, and he lays out in all of his letters. A lot of his letters, he does this. He reminds them, hey, this is who you are. This is who Jesus is. This is who God was, and this is what he did for you. And this is what you'll, and I think you'll catch it. But read here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It says this. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. That was, that was me. I don't know if that was you. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Oh, that's offensive. We'll talk about that in a second. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature were very, but our very nature um, were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Let's just stop here for a second, just because it's like, man, Paul, I mean, what happened to the loving God? (laughs) Just like sin and stuff and all that kind of stuff. You're just, you're kind of getting at me. Listen, to use the concept of family to frame our talk today, listen, when God is your father, you make decisions in every matter of life through the lens of the family that you're a part of. And so, what Paul is alluding to here as to other parts of scripture that talks about this, uh, that talks about the, the, the devil and his, his, his other name is he's the father of, does anyone know? Lies, right? Some of you, yeah, you grew up in church. The father of lies. And so if what Paul is saying, he's, he's giving a very clear theology that if you are not part of the fa- family of God, you're part of some family. Uh, great theologian, 
<laughs> you know, uh, uh, not, not really a theologian. He was just a, a, a songwriter. But you remember the song, you got to serve somebody? It may be the devil. It may be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody. Well, there's this truth. If you're not part of God's family, you're part of some family. And you may, it might not be the devil's family, but listen, you're part, I'm part of my own family. Well, let's just take that back a second. Listen, you're part of a world that's broken by sin. And you're living the values out of a broken life that you inherited. And here's the point. Broken people act broken. And here's what we all know about hurt people, right? You might even know this. Hurt people what? Hurt people hurt people. And this is what Paul is saying. Look, you used to be this way. You used to be in sin. You used to be part of the father of lies. He used to be your daddy, so to say. You were part of that family. And guess what? This is what you did. Because hurt people hurt people. We know this. We say these little phrases. And so you might deny this, the, the spirituality behind it and the theology behind it. But this is what we know in our regular day life. Sin breaks things and broken people act broken. Broken people live broken. Hurt people hurt people. And so this is what Paul's saying here. But he goes on. It's good news. Listen to this. He doesn't stop there. Verse 4. But God's so rich in mercy. Amen. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by God's grace we are saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Take a look at that verse real quick. So we can point to God, who to, to, to us, so, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace. So, we, so God can point to us because of what he has done, right? And who we are. We are united in Christ. That means we're part of God's family. You get, you get the idea? This is the idea of God's family. Let's read on verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit from that. It is the gift of God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things he had planned for us long ago. Real quick, this is what you need to know about God. And maybe your views of God have been one way or another, but this is what the scripture tells us about who God is. God is merciful. Merciful. What does mercy mean? Mercy means what? It means, so grace is giving you something that you didn't deserve. That's what we read. For by grace you're saved, you didn't deserve it. And mercy is what? Withholding the thing that you actually do deserve. Romans tells us that our sins, the penalty for our sins, for living life our way is death, separation from God, and a continual spiraling of living life in this state of brokenness. That is the reward of sin. But God didn't give us that reward. He gave us mercy. God is mercy. And this is not a new concept. I think sometimes there are people, uh, we had a discussion even in our own community group. We just have some great discussions in our missional community group and as we, uh, the other groups do. Uh, one night we were talking about this one question. Why does, how, do, how does the God of the New Testament through Jesus Christ who loves people and dies for the sin, how do you reconcile that with supposedly a God of the Old Testament who kills a bunch of people? 
right? I mean, that's a cursory look at it. And actually, we, we spent a, a whole night talking about this. And what we ended up realizing is that if you actually look at the Old Testament and the character of God, if you look at the totality of it, not just something you Googled on, you know, real negative parts of the Old Testament that I can go and, like, you know, if you look at the, 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 the whole Old Testament as a history and a story, you'll find this. You'll find this attribute of God over and over and over again. The psalmist said this in Psalm 145, 8 and 9. The Lord is merciful and compassionate. It's the psalmist. It's Old Testament. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all of his creation. There's a little story of a guy by the name of Jonah. How many of you remember who Jonah is Jonah was this guy who was supposedly a prophet and he's, you know, sent by God to speak the word of God. And God told Jonah to go to this place called Nineveh and they were terrible sinners. I mean, they were just terrible. And, and, and Jonah didn't like them. In fact, he was kind of a bigot and prejudiced. And so when God said, go to these people, Jonah was like, oh no. And so he went to Tarsus, which is the opposite way. And then Eventually, the story boiled back, and God shipwrecked him, and Jonah got put in a whale, blah, blah, blah. And then finally, Jonah tells them about God, and they say, oh my goodness, thanks for telling us. We repent. And they come to God, and they repent, and God saves them. He was going to wipe them out. And then Jonah, he's sitting up at the top of the hill, and he's going like this. He's going, ugh. The sun's beating down on me because there was this branch that was over him. And then it kind of died. And he's like, ah, curse the sun. And, then, and he's just so mad. And then God's like, Jonah, what's the matter with you? And he goes, he goes, I knew, God, that you were gracious and slow to anger, abounding in mercy. And I knew that if these people repented, that you would forgive them. It's Old Testament. And so here's what we know about God the Father. Whether, whether you, you, you have a hard time reconciling old and new or whatever, whatnot, the scriptures tell us in its totality that God is a merciful God. But how do we really know this? How do we know that God is truly merciful? What is the greatest display of God's mercy? 1 Peter 1.3 tells us this. All praises to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. I just love that verse. Simply because of this question. When was the last time you lived with great expectation? And maybe the reason why you're not living with great expectation because you haven't taken to heart the reality that by grace you've been saved. And I know it's really popular to be a negative Nancy and be like, how's it going? Oh, life's tough, man. Just slugging one day at a time, you know? Because <laughs> it's kind of popular to do that, you know? Because, you know, oh, but when's the last time that who we are because of God led us to live with great, when's the last time you live with great expectation? That's just a good question. So back to this idea of forgiveness. Forgiveness, and where are we coming from this? If we who have been given grace and mercy from God because of our sins, who have been forgiven of our sins, then what does that make us? If God is merciful and he forgives us through his son Jesus, then what does that make us? Forgiven people, right? And here's the interesting thing. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people 
forgive people. If hurt people hurt people, how much more so forgiven people forgive people? If you're not someone who's decided to follow Christ, you're just out there today and you're trying to figure out the whole Christian thing, listen, this may, <laughs> this may be a concept that you don't truly understand. In fact, you might have a good reason because you're like, well, I get that, but I've met a lot of Christians. <laughs> Let me tell you, they ain't forgiving people. Let me just tell you. And, and what I want you to do is uh, I, I, I would love to just maybe place a pause on your skepticism because as I talk about forgiveness and a way, it, the, the motivations of, of why Christians should forgive doesn't always translate to Christians actually forgiving because if you think about it, not every person who's a follower of Christ is, is in a place where God has completely made them holy and we all make mistakes. And here's what we always say. Um, none of us who are followers of Christ claim to be actually holy and, and we're perfect, but we, we believe in a God who forgives. We believe in God who says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And so I want you to, and, and maybe your skepticism is about other people, but listen, if you know that unforgiveness is unhealthy for you. Listen, you need to just consider for yourself how you can find solution to unforgiveness in your life. And so just ask you to pause the speculation. And I hope that as we talk about forgiveness and the motivation of why Christians should forgive, I hope that you can gain some clarity about forgiveness that God offers through you, through Jesus, his son, that he sent into the world. But if you're Father Christ, do you remember that person that hurt you? Do you remember the person who maybe caused you to be living in a state of unforgiveness? Do you remember how that open account felt? Do you remember the agony of waking up every day and living with the repercussions of their iniquity against you their faults against you, their blatant disrespect towards you, their blatant disregard. Do you remember? Has anyone ever felt that? Have you ever felt that? Not a great thing, is it? Christian, do you remember that God had an open account with us? Have you ever considered the idea that until we came to the place of saying, okay, God, I'm no longer gonna live my way. I'm gonna live your way. I'm going to live for you. I wanna live with your goals in mind. I want to serve you for the rest of my life. And I am so, until we came to that place, do you realize that you had an open account with God because daily, you lived in a state of constantly coming against God's plans, God's way, and living as though you didn't care. That sounds kind of harsh, but that is the reality of our life. Do you remember that? But do you remember what Jesus did for you? Do you know what he did to your debt? What did he do? He died. And what did that mean? When Jesus died on the cross, what did that do to our debt? That's right. He canceled our debt. Interesting. And this, as hard as it may come to think about, this is the context for extending forgiveness to others. 
because you will never find the motivation to forgive based on the person who hurts you. You will only find the motivation for, to forgive when you focus on the person who has forgiven you. It's very important. You will never find the motivation to forgive based on the person who hurts you. You will only find the motivation to forgive and to be a forgiving person when you focus on the one who has forgiven you. When you realize you are part of God's family. Matthew 6, 14 to 15 says this. If you forgive those who sin against... This is Jesus in his famous Sermon on the Mount. I love this. And he says, he says some really crazy things, but this is one of them. He goes, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, but if you forgive, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay. There isn't a, uh, a, a sentence after this that kind of makes up for it, like says, but, you know, in these cases, like Jesus kind of stops there and kind of moves on. And so what is Jesus saying? He's, going, he's basically going, Jesus, how can you accept grace and forgiveness for a debt that you could never repay and refuse to, to extend that same grace and forgiveness to someone else who owes you? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense at all. And you and I lost our right not to forgive at the cross of Jesus. Because God always sides with the offender. And you should be happy that he does. Because you and I are the biggest offenders of all, aren't we? Aren't we? And so, you must forgive because you have been forgiven. That's what it comes down to. Because God loves us and because he wants us to have healthy relationships, he says this, you've got a choice to make, to forgive or not to forgive. So real quick, so how does this work, Phil? Um, well, I want to give you some advice. So Uncle Phil is going to sit right here say, now listen up, kiddos. And some of you, you're not kiddos. You're looking at me, kiddos. You're a kiddo. <laughs> That's my best Larry voice. Hey, how you doing? Uh, how do I forgive? How do I forgive? How do I forgive? And I just want to give some practical advice. And first is this. Identify who you're holding unforgiveness towards. Uh, for many of you, you need to start here because your current relationships have been catching the relational shrapnel of unforgiveness from the seasons of past. And you know it. You're saying things like, why can't I just, I can't, my relationships are just destructive, blah, 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 blah. You need to look and you need to figure out if maybe unforgiveness is the cause of why you're still not getting along with your husband, you're still not getting along with your kids, you're still not getting along with your sister, you're still not getting along with your brother, you're still not getting along with your coworkers, your friends. You just not realize it, but there's unforgiveness and you've got to figure that out. You've got to identify it. I don't know how to help you to get there, but you need to take that trip and you need to go figure that out. Identify who stole from you. Because when you've lost the original source of your hurt, it's hard to bring healing into the rest of your life going forward. And until you identify who you're actually harboring unforgiveness towards, you will continually and unintentionally sabotage all of your current relationships. It's true. It's just true. If you live long enough, you will know the power unforgiveness has to ruin your relationships. Second, if possible, go deal with them directly. Directly. The worst thing you can do to try to deal with your hurts is to vent to other people. 
We love that verbiage because it lets us off the hook for someone the Bible calls gossip, right? But we don't gossip. We're just venting. Hey, hey man, how's it going? Oh, dude, can I just vent for a second? (laughs) Right? And that's what we do. The reality is that we're trying to extract a little bit of what they feel they owe us by getting back at them a little bit, by sharing it with someone else. Because it kind of makes us, you know, like feel better. And if we can paint them in a negative light to others, it will somehow, um, somehow help us feel vindicated in our behavior. And let me ask you a question. Has that ever really worked? Has that ever really worked? I don't think it has. Jesus says this in Matthew 18, 15. He says this. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. No, it just says just for the believer. Well, this is in the context of how Christians should treat each other. But even more so, this principle and in another place of scripture, when someone offends you, you the healthiest thing you can do is go directly to them. Directly to them. And then Paul says in Romans 12, 18, he gives a little bit further light on this and how we deal with these type of issues. And he says this in verse 18 of chapter 12. If, if it is possible, which means that in some instances it, it what? It won't be, right? Okay, so, but if it is possible, and then he says this, as far as it depends on you. <laughs> so, so own it up, ante up, put your big boy, big girl pants on, as much as is on you, live at peace with everyone. And you can't live at peace with people if you're harboring unforgiveness. It's just not possible. And then lastly, in light of who God is, he's your father, in light of what he's done for you, because you're part of his family and you take on the family values, so all matters of your life now become family matters. And what do you do? Cancel the debt. So you make a choice to cancel the debt. Forgiveness is the decision to cancel that debt. It says, you took something from me, but I've decided that you don't owe me anymore. I'm not going to work through the issues of blame. I'm not going to wait until you apologize. I'm not going to wait until you own up to it. I'm going to make the decision on my own. And if you ever come up to me and apologize and ask me how you can repay me, I'm going to say this. You don't need to repay me because I decided a long time ago that you don't owe me. Debt canceled. If that seems too radical, the question I have to ask for you is what has God done for you? And who is God to you? And what part, what family are you a part of? You get to do, you, and here's the funny, you get to choose to be and live part of God's family. So, my encouragement is this, Proverbs 17, 9. It's our verse for the week. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. You want to be a loving person? Do you want to be a person who is identified by the nature of being loving. Well, you have to forgive. Because when we refuse to forgive, we carry around an open account and we begin to view all of our relationship through the lens of that pain 
that hurt, that resentment, so it would benefit us all to go through the difficult work of learning and choosing to forgive. Would you learn? Would you choose to learn, maybe, to forgive today? Let me pray for you.